Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, podcast family. It is your girl, Jennifer Tomlinson, host of the Black Woman Be Well podcast. Today is a great day. We are talking about being a gender ally, and I am joined today with a colleague, friend, and might I say ally, uh, Rudy Darden, <laughs> professor of English at Valencia College. He is also a seed facilitator, um, PJI instructor, that stands for Peace and Justice Institute instructor, motivational speaker. He is an author, published, um, has articles published in publications, um, in journals, and he's just like a renaissance man. He do it all. Listen, I was like, keep it going. Do you know anything <laughs> else? That I don't know <laughs> to throw in so I can get paid for you know all what I'm these saying? titles. Come and I on. said seed like people know what it is, but yeah. seed is diversity and inclusion work, um, specifically within the education system. But um, you really are equipped to talk about that hard, tough stuff with anybody. Yeah. So the word seed, uh, it, you know, it's an acronym for mm-hmm. seeking educational equity and diversity, mm-hmm. and it's a national program that really seeks to empower people within education Mm -hmm. on how to make their spaces more diverse, but beyond just making it more diverse, making it more equitable. And I think that's where uh, sometimes the friction happens with institutions as we tell institutions that there are things (laughs) that they must do to create equity. And what that actually looks like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not just on paper. Well, we appreciate your work. Well, I do anyways. Um, and so oh, welcome the way, to the show. Thanks for having me. Oh, say welcome it's to been the a show. While. I mean, she's had this podcast. <laughs> Y'all, we go arm in arm. You mentioned just off air how we were in a car years ago talking. Yeah. And so we've been in, we in cars having conversations about life. And you don't have this podcast for how long now? We'll and stop. I'm just getting the invite. I well, mean, listen. Okay, so I will say this. We do a good job of speaking life into each other because in that same car, you told me to write a book and you've already started Mm. or almost done with that process soon. Look out for that. And I didn't know what I was going to do. And then you spoke life into me. I started this podcast. So, you you know, that's what we do for each other. Um, And here's why you haven't come on. I mean, it's a a podcast for women. And so the first first season, wait, the (laughs) the first season, you know, I invited mostly women. Of course. So you're the first guy. Come on now. Stop it. I feel some kind of way about that. Why? Like, I feel good about <laughs> oh, that. Okay. Not in a bad way. I'm like, all right, I knew there yeah, was something here. Yeah, I feel good about and it. And to hear you say that, it's like, <laughs> all right, all right. I thought I, you know, thought I could now, I could take a deep breath. Yeah, say, you right. feel good about it. You're, right. you're, you are our inaugural male guest. Right. And well, we're happy to, to have here. you. Yeah. Nice to be here. So, um... The topic today is about being a gender ally. Most people might not actually know what that means since you're our expert guest for the night. (laughs) How would you define it? Yeah, so I I, want to use that term expert loosely. Yeah, and sorry, not gender ally, but can you just tell us what what it means to be an ally? Yeah, so that in itself is something that I think came out of, at least in the literature, 
with the uh, heterosexual community not being in any way uh, partnering with the LGBTQ community. Mm -hmm. And so we begin to see a lot of conversations around what it means to be an ally of the LGBTQ community. Uh And then that that language and that kind of momentum in education, we have so many kind of national things happening, Mm. the Gay-Straight Alliance. Now, listen, I know this started, the word ally started long before then, Mm -hmm. but in terms of higher education, in terms of where that term really became um, evident for me, I saw it so much going in in college Mm -hmm. and um, as a professor, just seeing it all around that to be an ally, it's somebody who is not a part of the LGBTQ community, Mm -hmm. but who is willing to partner, be alongside, and simply stand in the space of saying that you are accepted meaning the person who's part of the LGBTQ community is accepted Mm -hmm. in that space. So we would have this ally training, right? And Uh we would have like uh, uh, gay flags on the door, Mm -hmm. rainbow flags, Mm -hmm. and being like, hey, I'm an ally. Right. I look at that differently, though, than race race ally in terms of... the way in which it's been presented to me that there are white people who come alongside yeah. and say to a black person, hey, look, if you want to talk to me, you know, that's you could, I feel free that my door is always open. Gender ally, here's where there is an intersection. Yes, and yes. Because as soon as somebody says gender ally, now we have to take into things, take into account things that maybe we didn't take into account when it was one layer of oppression, right. which is LGBTQ. Yeah. So the, you, you've introduced a lot of topics already for our listeners that might be new to it. So um, just to flush that out real quick for our listeners, that the, the term ally in terms of partnership um, or allyship um, was really dem- shared through the LGBTQ community. They're the ones that kind of came up with that terminology of how to be a ally for the LGBT, LGBTQ plus community. And then you've introduced the concept of gender and racial allyship. Um, which you also introduced an interesting word, intersectionality. Can you talk about that for a second? Because some of our listeners probably don't know what that word means. What does it mean? What does intersectionality mean? Yeah, so this term even is fairly new, like mm-hmm. 1970s, 1980s, mm-hmm. new intersectionality. And so this term was really coined by a black woman mm-hmm. who was like, you know what? The way in which black women experience race Uh, or gender oppression is different from the way in which white women experience um, gender oppression. So a black woman came alongside, and the name is slipping me, and I feel so bad that I don't have the name. I should have came more prepared. But I know it's a black woman. You're fine, yeah. Uh, Right. Okay, it's a black woman. Black woman. The listeners will will find it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we can all Google that. (laughs) Right. Uh, But um, she really became popular um, and really coined this term because um, what we found is that white women would say gender oppression in ways that um, was not at all something that black women would be able to say that that was the same for them. Right. So white women would describe male dominance, and then um, black women would say, yeah, I get male dominance, but I'm getting it from, from you, too. you too, right? <laughs> all right, and, right. So, and so like that term intersectionality just simply means that there are layers of oppression. There's something each person has which are called the dimensions of our identity. Mm-hmm. So we're made up of different dimensions of our identity. So our gender is one dimension, our race, sexual orientation. These are all dimensions of our identity. Mm-hmm. And our dimensions of our identity can sometimes have different ways of oppression yeah. that we experience things. And so intersectionality just means that we acknowledge that there are different layers by which, or different ways in which our identities experience exp- oppression. Yeah. Shania, you found the name for us. What's her name? 
Crenshaw. Kimberly that Crenshaw. Is her. That awesome. Is definitely. Nineteen eighty nine. Yes. Thank, yes. I yes. have the best producer. I'm telling you, producers. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, the ways in which we can be oppressed um, will determine our intersectionality. Um, and for our listeners, uh, I think it's really great to talk about those, you know, types of systems of oppression. So, um, you know, you can be oppressed by your um, sexual orientation. So that can be intersectionality, your gender, your race. Um, the biggest uh, system of oppression that I ignored for so long, because I didn't realize I was oppressed by it, is class. Mm-hmm. So classism is a system of oppression. Mm-hmm. And when you're a woman of color, typically you're a part of a socioeconomic uh, range. Uh, so then you that's another layer that a lot of us overlook. So, so you just mentioned four different yeah. systems of oppression that black women in particular. Right. Just by virtue of being in a society mm-hmm. that oppresses each one of those areas hierarchically. That's something that even as a black man with the ways in which I experienced maybe three out of Mm -hmm. the four of those, and yet my body is still my body, Mm -hmm. perceived by other men and by other women, that I can't even imagine. And this is where the difference between being an ally and an advocate, like this is the difference between my saying I accept somebody as an ally, but then when I ask you to advocate, Mm -hmm. there's where there's a line that delineates what the responsibilities are. Um, which is why I don't do the whole I'm a an ally for black women. Okay. I, I don't do the whole I'm, I'm an ally for the LGBTQ community. Right. I am. Um, and that's because foundationally speaking, the heterosexual community is positioned foundationally. by a lot, Like this idea that foundationally we are against. Mm-hmm. As a heterosexual community, we have laws that are in place that are against. Mm-hmm. And it's been that way, at least in our society, American society, for many years, right? For hundreds right. of years, right? right? So that's that's and it's been so many different ways in which the LGBTQ community has been positioned against mm-hmm. uh, the heterosexual community only by way of what the heterosexual community does. Right. That to me is different in terms of now saying I acknowledge that there's foundational discrimination that's happening, foundational issues that's in place that now I need to come alongside. That's different than my saying to a black woman. That foundationally, I'm positioned against you, mm. and that's where the advoc- That's where I say, okay. no, nah, foundationally, I can't just simply get away with saying I'm an ally okay. for Black women. No, I got to be able to do more because positionally speaking, I came from a woman. Right. right? Positionally right. speaking, right. I am the product. All that I am is because of the teaching and the grooming and the learning of mm. the matriarch, right? And so this idea. Now, I've been taught outside of the matriarch not to value Black women, mm-hmm. right? That's something that I think Black men without no other way in which being told not to love black women, you're going to receive that training Mm -hmm. not to love black women Mm. just because you're positioned in American society. And I think any black man who, and I'm going to speak for black men here, and it's hard to do that because you can't speak for all black men, right? (laughs) Well, you can speak to a society that positions black women at the lowest form of that hierarchy. Now, Mm -hmm. whether you choose to acknowledge that hierarchy and go into it is one thing, right? But the idea that you're not going to be exposed to devaluing black women. Right. That's not a foundational principle um, when you're living and positioning yourself in America is something that I think we just probably need to get over as black men mm. and call it what it is. We've been groomed, hierarchically speaking, to view black women as the lowest. We need to be able to do something about that and acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important to historically 
begin to understand how black women have been positioned in society. Absolutely. And um, so <laughs> before we recorded the uh, started recording this episode, y'all, um, I was trying to go over an outline with Rudy and we just stopped and I was like, we need to get this recorded. And I already knew like, all right, he about to teach me some things, even though we both do similar uh, work, uh, you are breaking down some things for me in a different way. Um, because the whole premise of the show was gender allyship, being a gender ally. But in this space, you're even saying, well, for me, I can't be a gender ally. You'd prefer to not prefer, but for you to do good work, you are a gender advocate. Mm -hmm. So you're already turning the show on its head um, and breaking down why, um, the history of where the word ally comes from just serves a different purpose than what black women need. That's right. Mm -hmm. Which is why I think black women get, which is why for me, this has been such a ripping off and exposing my own wounds. Yeah. Because I thought that I could do what white women and white institutions shown me as a pattern for how to be an ally to black women. Right. And that didn't work. Right. And that hasn't worked. And the scar, the the acknowledgement of the ways in which I have been scarred Mm -hmm. by being a part of this predominantly white nation, this being educated in predominantly white institutions, having value systems that are entrenched in white Mm -hmm. supremacy. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to try to apply their language for how to (laughs) be a part of, of, you know, something that's an LGBT community or racial community. I'm going to try to apply that. To my own black sister, my own black mother, nah, that my sisters and my my family, even my wife, allowed me to understand just how um, how inadequate yeah. my foundation yeah. is. And so much uh, sometimes, and this has been a long-standing history, even from the abolitionist movement of black men coming into black female spaces and saying, here's what you need to do and how you need to do it Um, in the name of allyship. Mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't called out being an ally at the Mm -hmm. time, but you know, when this, during the suffrage movement and during the abolitionist movement, when white women, black women and black men were kind of galvanized together, um, but you start seeing the splitting happening. It was because in the beginning there was a sense of let's be allies for each other to uh, change our constitution Mm -hmm. and to create equal rights. Um, but then you start seeing the splintering um, happening mainly because of what you just described. Um, it's not enough to just be be here to tell people what to do or not know when to sit down or when to speak up or when not to speak up, you know, and then a lot of times being an ally is in that way. But, um, you know, how do you actually be an advocate doing the work for the people and helping them? Yeah. Right. And there is yeah. a big difference. So you're, bra- you're breaking it down yeah. for me today, yeah. sir. Yeah, No, no. I just want to read something. You speak in truth, sir. Okay. <laughs> Here's something that like just a, a real just you know surface level idea of what advocacy looks like, which might be different than ally work. You know, it says that advocacy is a political process by an individual or group which aims to influence public policy and resource allocation decisions within political, economic and social systems and institutions. Advocacy can include many activities that a person or organization undertakes, including media campaigns, public speaking, commissioning, publishing research or polls. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, I mean, there's the amicus brief. There's so many different things yeah. that a person who's an advocate can, can do, do, which is very different than what a person who is an ally yeah. is willing to do. Tell me the last time a white person came, or even me as a heterosexual person, came alongside an LGBTQ person and said, it's time for me to begin to advocate 
and, and, and do things that are not just making a space feel comfortable yeah. for yeah. LGBTQ people to be in, to be in a space that in terms of another I have power in, right? Mm-hmm. So no, no, no. It's very different. We got to go, we got to begin to think beyond. And I'm yeah. not saying allyship is not good. Right. I'm just saying that when it comes to black women, I've chosen to move from understanding my role with black women as being an ally to what's my role as an advocate. So I'm glad that you've gone through that process because I think that whenever anyone anybody is moved to action into advocacy work that really demonstrates the level of conviction they have so I think that's beautiful um that you're wrestling with that right not wrestling but you've made a conscious decision to focus a lot of what you do on advocacy um I think there is still space for being an ally oh certainly Certainly. and um specifically okay round two name something that's not boring Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For black men to be gender allies with black women. So will you be able to speak up for me in a room when I'm, that I'm not present in, present in? Yes, that's your advocacy work. You're charged to do that. Can you just occupy some space when I'm, you know, having a hard time? Like, mm-hmm. you don't even have to say anything. Mm-hmm. Like, just be adjacent. Yep. <laughs> you don't have to tell me what to do. You don't have to be my voice necessarily. But in certain environments or spaces, you just being a pillar of support. That, for me, is what ally work looks like. Certainly. Um, there's a space for it for white men to do that, too. Not as much as a need there is for, I think, black men to be allies for women. Because... There are some spaces you'll occupy I'll never have access to. Mm -hmm. But the spaces I do, I don't necessarily need somebody being an advocate for me. You know what I mean? So um, it's just interesting to see because now we're talking about in the episode two separate things, the need for both and where, like, how does it, like, what's the even ratio? Like, how you know, that part I don't know. Like, we're flushing that out now live during the recording. (laughs) Well, I, well, I (laughs) I think you bring up a great point. It is not to say that one needs to choose one over the other. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is that I exclusively had one. I yeah. exclusively had ally. Yeah. And I needed to add something to my toolkit on how to yeah. engage and how to do things that I didn't think I needed to do. So to your point, there are spaces where I'm at where I know where I'll look around and say there are no black women in that space. Mm-hmm. And yet in that role as an ally, if somebody were to say something, then I would be able to step up and say, but I won't push an agenda for black women okay. in that space. Yeah. And that's where I begin to realize through our conversations. I was right? going to get to yeah, this. I was yeah, about yeah. To say, through our, <laughs> and I think that's the, I think that's the starting point is be being willing to position yourself amongst black women as someone who is humbled, someone who can listen, but also someone who is flawed mm. and who can receive. Yes. And I mean, I mean flawed as in, 
I have a blind spot. Mm-hmm. And, and if, if a black woman tells me as a black man, which is so crucial, mm. and this is for black men of hearing that and not being dismissive mm. and not just count like chalking it up to black woman scorn, angry black woman. I mean, that, I that's, what, it, that's what so it is. Hard. I mean, right? It's black woman scorn. And it's like us black, we as black men, we're going to say we get that all the time, right? Black yeah. women are scorned. Um, and so we I just do get we it all be, the time. And we just have, we as black men have to position ourselves. So um, the this moment that you had um, during your process of figuring out um, how much of an advocate you needed to be and, you know, recognizing your blind spots, did that come from our... Um, our, our, so, so I'm about to say, you might as well tell them, did I come from our? <laughs> so, uh, so Rudy is a seed facilitator. I am now a seed facilitator, but I first had to, I went through the seed training at the institution we both work at. He was one of the leaders um, of that program. And uh, you were facilitating, but also growing in those sessions as well. I think we all are. I think we all better yeah, be. Yeah, right, think every, right. Every good facilitator is one who opens. Um, themselves up to growing and learning. Yeah. So there was a particular thing that happened. I'm not going to go into that, but... um, To maintain confidentiality. Absolutely. Uh, The point, though, what came out of that is um, we were kind of timid, but at that point, the black women in the room, like, had to speak up, and we did. And I I don't know, like, I know our post-conversations, you felt like, wow, you put me onto some things I never thought about. Did it start then, or had you already been kind of um, working on that? Like, when did this moment come for you to realize the difference between your your purpose as an ally and versus an advocate i think for black men it starts early early in life when you start making decisions for heterosexual black men where you start making decisions around who you date and who you won't date (laughs) that the the ideal of what it means to be an ally and advocate to be it to to choose a lover Uh uh-huh so that's what starts when you at least for me it started 12 and 13 years old when my brother would say to me, Hey, um, show me who you like. And I would point out this person. I would say the celebrity name and he would say, now tell me another person. I would, and he would say, you know, none of those women look like your mom. Mm. Like they're not, they're not dark skin. You're picking all of the reds, the lights, you know, you, Mm. you, you know, you, you picking only light skin women. And I would say, well, that's just my preference. Mm -hmm. That's just, how you going to tell me what I can like and what I don't (laughs) like. But my mother always had this saying about if she can't use your comb, then don't bring her home. And so she, if she ain't dark like us, she ain't black like us. <laughs> she not if her hair texture not like ours. Wow. She's not welcome in this home, right? I mean, that's my mother's thing. If she if can't, she use, can't your comb, use your comb, don't, don't bring, bring her, her home. home. Her hair texture better be like ours, <laughs> or else she's not welcome in this home. That's now, my hilarious. mother said that for safety reasons in terms of just the way in which she yeah. felt that white women would. And I always have to give that disclaimer. And there's no judgment there because, you know, our our my parent was the same way. You know, they you just know what they know. You know, yes. they teach what they were taught. So and no I understand why she was saying Heck that yeah. now in hindsight. And <laughs> like at the time, I just thought it was like. My mama don't want me dating a white woman. No, right? there's a lot of like, reasons. It was like, yes. No, and once you get in trouble, once yes. you're safe. Yes. And also. The consequences down the road of how your children are going to be living in society right, and culture. So right. it was all those things that I wasn't ready to hear at that young right. age. But it was just a real simple rule that got nuanced So later on. So then you, I moved forward only exclusively dating black women. About to get married to a black woman. Overseas, long-distance relationship. Only marrying black women. And then all of a sudden... I'm overseas and I come back and the next thing I know I'm in I'm in Orlando now mm. and I 
break off what is a pending marriage with a black woman. I didn't know this. Come on, sis. Wow. You asked me where it started. Break off with I'm a... I'm learning <laughs> about my friend, y'all. I'm about to eat and drink some tea while he tell no, me his little no, story. No, so, <laughs> so I had a... Uh, you know, I, I mean, I had this this whole idea of I can only be with a newbie. I, I my, my my Black Planet name was Nubian Prince. Oh, 99. my God. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all. Oh, my God. If y'all, <laughs> you know, they're too young to know about Me, Hente, Black, and Black Planet. Like, we, we had, the, <laughs> you know, MySpace, and it was like, it was all I could only do... Uh, my name was Nubian <laughs> Prince. And all my friends used to make fun of me because they're yeah. like, you always own your black power, black, you know. And 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 I had to get a woman who looked, I mean, my my fiance, I mean, she looked just, people used to say that we were sister and brother. They're like, oh, man, wow. y'all look exactly alike. And I had to be like, yeah, because my brother schooled me, like, <laughs> that I can't, like, you know, that I was discriminating. So I say all that to say, um, coming to Orlando, um, I began to, as an adult, see the nuance of, what does it really mean to say you love someone or you open yourself up? Because I had only closed myself up to black women. I was like, I'm exclusive dating black women. That's it. And then moving to Orlando, um, I opened myself up to dating other women, to dating women outside of uh, outside of black women, just any anyone okay. outside, anyone. Um, and so I noticed that I was getting a little bit different reaction, though, from black women, of mm-hmm. course. And I was getting different reaction from black men, of course. And the moment that I married... A woman who is Puerto Rican, that was it in terms of my sister. I have four sisters, mm-hmm. a mother. I mean, it was like, so you did exactly what I told you <laughs> not, not to, to do, do son. Yeah. So so you so you just gonna start a life. So you yeah. just you 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 got degrees now, you're successful. Now you just gonna mm-hmm. flock to the Puerto Rican. You it, what happened what happened to the Nubian princess? Mm-hmm. Now you wanna get a Puerto Rican princess? Like, what's this all about? And for years, and I dated, I dated her for years. So I, yeah. I heard all of it. I heard it all, and I still made a decision to do it. And in making that decision, I think there were some things that even then I was saying I'm making it out of love, and I had to recognize that there were some things in terms of just making it out of, I would say, um, a reaction to you told me what I can't have, and I'm going to do it now because I can because you're telling oh, me Lord I can't. Oh, Jesus. Right? Like, you're telling me I can't. Okay. I, I can only ma- I can only be with a black woman. So n- Let now me show I, you. I'm going to show you I could be with other women and yeah. I can be happy. And another part of it, too, was just simply finding what I believe was the right woman at the right time to be in the right place for where I was. Yeah. Uh, just relationally. I tell you what, though, that came with a lot when it came to my sister's. It's just, triggering. I, oh, and even me, I have to, for me, I'm, and I'm all like, oh, love whoever you want to, but at the end, like, I cannot help but be triggered yeah. um, by seeing black men date outside of our race just because of, you know, I mean, I mean, you know, the history in America and um, knowing what we know with concepts of internalized racism and how that's perpetuated in our behavior and how black men historically that personify internalized racism or self-hate will always date what you know the opposite of them mm-hmm. um or it's that uh, you know the f- the fruit they didn't have access to mm-hmm. you know so i'm not saying you experienced this but knowing all of this and then black women also living a life where they've experienced the discrimination and yeah. um the silencing and saying and you know um living in a world with a standard of beauty does not look like them it is triggering i don't care how reflective you are how deep you are you have to talk yourself out of it when you see it sometimes like i know better let me shut the hell up but you know (laughs) but it is triggering you know and it's an immediate shutdown Mm -hmm. and i think that black men who 
understand history, understand why it's an immediate shutdown, why it's triggering. Yeah. Why when I walk into a space and I say that I'm a seed for I went to I forget where um I went to I think Seattle. Mm. I think it was Seattle. Um or Dallas, Fort Worth. It's at a, it was at a national conference on race and ethnicity, right? So I met this conference and uh, I spoke up and spoke out about something. And um, these women and men, you know, kind of formed a little circle after where we're starting to talk. And they're just like, wow, we need to go get dinner. Let's, let's all go eat. Okay. Well, we're sitting around a table and one black woman just looked at me and was like, <laughs> I know you're not married to a black woman. What? <laughs> She said, with all of that, with all of this gusto, with all of the passion and fervor behind it, oh, I know you're God. not married to a black woman. What does that mean? So we spent, How did she read you like a book, though? Read it like a book. I, I'm sure that's part of it. What she acknowledged was, I can see your hurt. <gasps> oh, right? She was no, like, I see Rudy. your hurt. She was like, I see your hurt. You, you made a decision you can't walk back from. Rudy. And so she was like, I see it now. And so she was just like, brother, I'm here to help you heal. <laughs> and she said, I hate that I have to be in that situation because I'm sure you got sisters. I'm sure you got a mama. You- I'm sure you. But she was like, listen, I, I just want you to know that I can. I, and she was like, and look, and I can call out the rest of y'all. And she just went around and was just around the table. I know you married you- to a black woman. I know oh you're my not God. married to a black woman. I know you're not married to a black woman. But how do you hear that and not just start crying? Like. She like that's an emotional dagger. Like, well, remember how we started this conversation about knowing your history, mm. about acknowledging you you can't operate in this world without taking on the baggage of white supremacy. The more light you are, the more mm-hmm. right you are. You can't operate. You know, white white supremacy is is global. Even in in all of the space, we're not saying that people all begin to dictate their behavior off of that. We're saying that there's been a standard that has been set. Right. And when you acknowledge the way that that standard you had no part in it. So there's no blame, no shame, no guilt, right? Yeah, like I'm just, yeah. I'm a product of it. And now what am I going to do with the knowledge that I know? So it didn't cut you too hard when she said that. Man, but it, cut, it, it cut me hard, sis. <laughs> it cut me hard. I understand. But it's one I mean, But I think her response was uh, like, I'm here to help you heal. Mm. Like, you know, and th- I mean, that that's what I always ask people to do anyway. When you, when you recognize the trauma in which you've been exposed to, mm-hmm. it's tired of, I'm not, you wouldn't ask me if, if I recognize that you, have some trauma and I see that the behavior of that trauma is something that's causing you to respond in certain ways. I'm not going to ask you given your trauma to do something that would be outside of just healing. Mm -hmm. And so she came back at me with, I see what you're doing and I'm not going to ask you to do that. I'm not going to ask you to advocate. I'm just going to be with you to heal. And I think that's, that's that space that led for me to hear what you said to me. Cause now we fast forward okay. all of that into you. <laughs> we're in a space together and somebody's talking about LGBTQ advocacy advocacy. And I'm asking all of the heterosexual people in the space in that group, Hey, let's, mm-hmm. let's advocate on behalf of LGBTQ and the black, uh, you, one mm-hmm. of them, and a few of the other black women were like, but what about us? When, when are the black, when, when are men, when are black men going to advocate? Cause it's hard. Cause you know, you mentioned it. You know what it's like to be an ally for LGBTQ, but you don't know what it's like to see black men, in particular black men, be an ally for black women. Um, And unearthing, and that that was a hard conversation too, and those that weren't there won't know, but I mean, we talked about a lot. And for me, unearthing that even within that community, there's a lot of racism 
against black women. And it was very difficult to be vulnerable to say, you know, can we just also remember this? Um, but it needed to be said because even within that community, they have racism, um, you know, issues and black women, women of color oftentimes suffer too. So who's going to like, you know, the whole thing, I'm like, who's going to speak up on her? I didn't cry. I don't think, but that was probably like, well, who's going to speak up for us? Yeah. She went to a black lives matter rally and was like, all lives matter. No, I ain't going to say it that far. That's not what happened. I said that almost jokingly, but not really jokingly because I think sometimes when we introduce, because everything is intersectional, sometimes people will look at what you said as an affront to what the issue was. Mm. But that's why intersectionality is so, so important. important. Yeah. Because saying that who's going to speak up, and I'm willing to do the work of allyship for the LGBTQ community. And, and in doing so, I understand that I'm feeling some hurt and some pain because as a black woman, I understand I'm not even fully accepted into mm -hmm, these spaces. Mm -hmm. So it's not a all lives matter at a black lie. I said that to say it's not one of those intro because somebody will say some I'm, I'm taking into account what people say in response to certain things. I'm probably all in my head about this, but some people are like, you know, if a person is experiencing oppression, we don't need the oppression Olympics. Right. Mm -hmm. If I'm asking you to be an ally for LGBTQ community and then all of a sudden Jen wants to say, but what about, you know, it's the mm -hmm. what about ism. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, not with it's this. Not, yeah, not no. with this. We're yeah. not. Comp we have to it's no comparison. <laughs> yeah. It's not whose it's, war no. story is worse. No, no. It's not that. It's saying in addition to in what I'm willing right. to do with the LGBTQ community, I want to use that to parallel what is something that I need in order to continue doing yeah. my work. Thank you for adding that yeah. layer because people listening might not understand that part, too. Yeah. yeah. And what I loved about your story is you've, and this is something women, black women do all the time. Mm -hmm. We become allies mm -hmm. immediately, like mm -hmm. the lady that read you to filth in the mm -hmm. restaurant yeah. and, said, <laughs> and said, you don't even have to do anything. I want to help. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. always. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch -ch 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 -chumba. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch -ch 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 -chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Take on yeah. that. Yeah. And we don't oftentimes get it reciprocated. Yeah. You know, like I see your pain. Yeah. Let me help or, you know, let me support you in some kind of way. Well, that's what I heard from you. Now I'm flipping it back on not asking you to do anything, mm -hmm. but simply taking my own steps mm -hmm. from that conversation to now, how do I move from simply saying I hear you to now I got to be more than just I hear you. Yeah. And because because that's what ended up happening from that. It was I hear you, Jen. Let's make sure we have this conversation. We need to pick this up where mm -hmm. we left off mm -hmm. in our next session. Mm -hmm. There's some things we need to unpack. That's what I call ally work. Yeah. That's different from what I'm doing now. Now you right? ready to now, work. Now it's not just, I mean, I don't have no choice. I'm working. I'm working, fam. I'm working. Move to I'm action. You're going to, you're going to be an yeah. advocate. Yeah. And I, and I think that comes from understanding 
your your power as a male yeah. in the space, and it also understands. I think we as men need to understand that um, even when a black woman is in a space, um, what our position says, what our presence says mm-hmm. in that space, in terms of almost sucking the air and the power mm. out of a space for yes. a black woman. Yes. Ooh, you are a writer. That was perfectly, <laughs> yeah, that's perfectly articulated in demonstrating the way it feels. Um, and I want to just share, um, I have a question from our wonderful producer, but before I move on to that, I just want to share how you've been a wonderful ally for me. I mean, you're probably just my friend, mm-hmm. but <laughs> but in many ways, this is modeled like, you know, what black men can do for women. Um, when I went through seed training, I could not figure out how to maneuver, not seed training, when I went through our seed program here, I couldn't figure out how to maneuver to get through the facilitation process. And mm-hmm. I knew that was something I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, our little side by conversations you always have in the hallway, where he's, oh yeah, yeah, no, no, I'll do that. Like, we'll figure this out. And so boom, 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 a couple of conversations later, You've helped me put me in a position where, you know, I was able to do it, mm-hmm. talk to the right people, introducing mm-hmm. to the right people and making mm-hmm. it happen. Um, you've done that with other things. I won't go into details, but um, you've done those kind of things for me. And I would love to see what we have um, as colleagues modeled with other people, mm-hmm. you know, with other um, black men, um, whether it's in their place of work or wherever uh p- politics or whatever you if you see black women struggling you know um making those connections hearing them thoroughly giving them their space to talk and you know helping them um if you have if you have resources not being afraid to share them you know because it's such um, a paradox though from what we as black men have been groomed at least i know for me and my experience yeah so my father died when i was young right so raised by a single mom mm-hmm. four sisters two brothers. Mm. I'm like the youngest boy. So I'm like, I have all of these older sisters, all of these older brothers, all of these great examples of what it's like to be a black woman of what it's like to be a black man. And then I come and I'm now an adult and I'm like, black women don't need me. They don't want to train me. <laughs> right. They don't want to raise me. Mm. Black women don't need me for anything. They got it. And, and if I were to step in and do something, yeah. what that would mean is I'm taking away their autonomy and their power, oh, their wow. independence. And so it's like black women, black women, y'all got this. And in doing that, I, I missed out Man. on what it is to simply be in relationship and to simply allow myself to be not just led mentored, but also use my privilege. Mm-hmm. So now I got black women out there doing it all. When they don't really have to because they have a black man in a position to speak to another man yeah. in ways that maybe the black woman wouldn't be heard by that other man. I think so. it's so unfortunate on our end because we do exist like we are okay because we have to. We have to get it done. We have to take care of it. So for others, it looks like, oh, they're good. Like they got it. Mm-hmm. They'll they'll work on it. Not knowing that we're just we're, we're just as in need as anybody mm-hmm. else, if not mm-hmm. more so, because um, of the different intersectionalities we exist in. And the trauma. And the trauma. The simple trauma. Everything of being is triggering, a black woman, man. A Everything black is woman. triggering. Yes. <laughs> yes. The simple trauma of being. I'll, yeah. I don't want to say simple, but just the trauma of being a black woman, and it, and and not to be in the space of simply saying. 
now I got to placate and let mm-hmm. me, let me, let me baby you. Mm-hmm. Let me, you know, not that, right. No, not right, that. Right. No. And, and, and certainly not the flip end of that, of, which is you got everything. Right. Right. It's just simply knowing that as a black man, man, there's something that you might be able to, posi- there's some way you might be able to position yourself, um, especially with the kind of power dominance that's on mm-hmm. display mm-hmm. in ways that women, black women um, would honor. Right. Something else I had um, noticed when uh, we were doing our prep pre-talk before the show, uh, we started airing. I told you we were going to take some notes. You was about to teach us. Mm-hmm. So Shania has been taking notes. Okay. okay. <laughs> she has a question for you. Wonderful um, producer. And wonderful producer. She happens to be biracial. Okay. Yeah. So this is her question. What, what role do other uh, people of color play in becoming a gender ally slash advocate for black women. Why is this tricky or why is it not tricky? <laughs> Again, I think it's understanding our history. I think many biracial uh, women are perceived as better than black women simply because of the color right. aspect of the more light you are, the and more light being, you are. And then being socially conditioned to think yes. that through slavery. Yes. Yeah. So there's 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 an understanding that while biracial women, multiracial women will say that they too experience oppression because mm-hmm. of their skin color, mm-hmm. because of their hair texture, because of how the world identifies them differently than a white woman or than an exclusively Hispanic or Lat- Latinx woman. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like I, I see that I'm getting a little oppression from these other groups, but then I also see that. Like in somewhere or another, people are treating me yeah. maybe differently than the sister whose mother is black and father's black, no right. biracial intimacy. So I think it's just understanding that, you know, as a biracial woman, just like I would say to as men, um, understanding our history, understanding what that's yeah. rooted in, understanding this is all a product of white supremacy. And if we in any way try to, um, exclude white supremacy and the impact of white supremacy on our actions and our behaviors, I think we're doing ourselves a disservice. Yeah. And we're saying that in some way or another, we are perpetuating or we are the the, the foundation that mm. caused the distrust between multiracial and biracial mm-hmm. people and those who are experiencing yeah. it as exclusively black. So that's just one thing. I think the next thing also is uh, for the other end of it, black women, Black men, too, just simply acknowledging that the situation that biracial people are in Mm -hmm. didn't come as a result of something that they asked for, right? right? Like, my sister being light-skinned and getting the red, red, red was very different than my sister who was dark-skinned. And we got the same family, right? So colorism is a thing. And so it's both sides understanding our history. I think it's also there is that, that role that's tricky to play as an ally and then moving into what I would think would be some sort of advocacy work where possible where you begin to use your skin privilege the same way that I'm saying I'm using my male yes. privilege and my male dominance, my male uh, uh, perceived dominance in the world um, to bring about spaces and to bring forth opportunities for black women or for women in general is the same way that I would say somebody who gets the comment that, oh, your mother and your, 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 your mixed 
oh, you're going to have beautiful babies. Mm-hmm. Or when people, it's mm-hmm. like, it's, it's, that's where the advocacy work can come in. Yeah. That's different than ally. That's not taking that as a compliment. Right. You know, that's saying, that's no. saying what, yeah, what yeah, are you saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I needed to be mixed in order to, you know, so my right, father who right. was not mixed or my mother was, they're not that beautiful. Checking compared people. To, yeah. It's, yeah. It's checking people when possible. It's making those kind of political statements. Cause anytime somebody says political statements, we're just really talking about power statements right mm-hmm. so we're not talking about democrat republican state i'm talking about we make a power statement mm-hmm. that you just made a statement about my value based on my skin color and i'm going to now tell you that my power is not based in on that. my skin and yeah. so yeah and so it's just making those kind of political decisions that might mean you're going to make somebody uncomfortable and that's going to have to put some humility out there because mm-hmm. you know, i'm keeping it real the, the biracial people i i feel like they walk around with the mentality of like I'm cute. Like, I got this. There's something different between me and the others. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm like, and now I hear this, I'm the and best of be both sub, worlds. It might be subconscious. <laughs> Shania's like, no, that is not me. I'm the best of both worlds. <laughs> well, I mean, of course, we're not saying, we're not, uh, we got to make I statements about I think some of it general, might be subconscious, right? and generally speaking, it might be subconscious and internalized, but you're not thinking it consciously. Um, and I agree to your point. It, and as much as it's, it, as it's important to recognize your systems of oppression, it's also a very important to recognize the privileges you have. Even me as a black woman has privileges being heterosexual. Like, like that's like you have to recognize that. And so um, for talking about biracial people, um, because Shania happens to be that, um, <laughs> there are privileges that you're going to have that are dark person doesn't um but any other person of color an asian woman has privileges she has oppressions too right but her privileges are far different um than a dark-skinned black woman i mean so much so that they will say we are you know sometimes they speak that language no we're not like them Mm -hmm. you know um if we have to start a movement to appreciate any group you know something quite foundationally speaking, not right. Mm-hmm. If we got to start a movement for natural hair, mm-hmm. if we got to start a movement to say queen and king, mm-hmm. right? If we got to start a movement, if we have to use these terms, and I'm not saying these movements aren't good. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying we need to acknowledge that the movement is there for a reason. For a reason. And that's because everything was stopped. There was no, like yeah. from a very literal term, there was no movement when it came to us being groomed to value, us being Americans being groomed mm-hmm. to really value black women. Yeah. Where we were maybe groomed to value biracial people in general. Yeah. Um, Shania, I do want to capture your voice because we were talking, oh, answering yeah. a question, but you were like, no, 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 no. Yeah, go. Please share your, pers- your perspective because so, neither of us are. I'm very, very light skinned, but. So I'm not biracial. <laughs> I mean, I think this is also different for me because I'm also Hispanic and I'm black. So mm-hmm. there's like two different forms of oppression that I go underneath between mm-hmm. the Hispanic community that doesn't think I'm Hispanic and then the black community that doesn't think I'm truly black and authentically black. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a difference in why. And then like I'm also Norwegian. So like white people also just don't accept me right. in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think. Uh, to like your point is that I also know a lot of like multiracial people and biracial people that don't think that way and don't think that they're better because it's so hard for us to fit in in the first Mm -hmm. place so like especially me growing up I never thought I was that cute and I never thought I was that superior because Mm. I wasn't someone who was 
all of like I wasn't fully black or I wasn't fully Hispanic so that's something I also struggled with because I I particularly like Hispanic men so dating Hispanic men is different because a lot of Hispanic men don't like darker skin Hispanic women Mm -hmm. so that was really hard for me Mm -hmm. growing up being a black woman and being my family is also Latinx and of um, Mm Afro-Latina and stuff like that we're all darker as well because we're from Puerto Rico so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's different it's like, and my boyfriend is also Puerto Rican, so he grew up with, you know, dating darker skinned women. That's fine, everything like that. But like going through school, it was so hard to even interact with Hispanic men because yeah. it was just always negative. And then like interacting with black men, black men only liked me because I was fetishized. Yeah. So I didn't want to involve myself with black men because I didn't want to become a fetish. The way we self actualize, um, race is just a part of the right. part of that right so mm-hmm. you have your complexity of of knowing yourself based on your complex mm-hmm. heritage like you have like you know do you even have the space to think about privilege if you don't know who you are right, right. um <laughs> but uh, also that's just a part of how we self actualize especially as a woman right you're looking at what is beautiful mm-hmm. and who sets the standard. So you have this race thing, like, I don't know who I am. I'm racially ambiguous, so I'm kind of lost in that. But also maybe, you know, my face isn't extremely angular like people like plastic surgery or um, I don't have bone straight hair or I'm not a size two. Um, you know, even your interest can be a part of it. If you're not a typical female, typical yeah. woman in the very stereotypical term, you will internalize that and, and be lost, right. you know? Um, so the way women self-actualize, we have to really think about what's feeding into our our sense of self and our identity, and that's what feeds into our self-love. When you, you don't know who you are or you don't think you're beautiful, you will not love yourself, mm-hmm. right? And then that is, you know, it feels like oppression because yeah. you're, you're, you know, your social constructs are telling you you're not a woman enough. Mm-hmm. That can feel, feel very stifling. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing. No problem. And thank you for your question. She doesn't really speak on the show. Uh, That's good. That's good. That's good insight. <laughs> but she was sitting there taking notes, my yeah. brother. Yeah, good insights. Yeah, I think my, my daughter, who is biracial, Puerto Rican mom, mm-hmm. right? Uh, black dad, right? So the what they bring to me is different than what my sisters brought to my, mm-hmm. um, to my mother. Mm-hmm. You know, they bring... All of the things that you mentioned, which I don't know how to, I don't have a response to. I, I wasn't groomed. You don't have that to try to, yeah, yeah, I wasn't groomed to try to say, listen, I know you want to identify with your Hispanic Latinx culture. But you but black. That, but you black. <laughs> and you've been perceived as black and you live in what is a, um, a very powerful black um, reality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but your mother... Is right here mm-hmm. telling you all the time that like this is that you that your hair and who you and like just was not something that she was groomed to and so go to your dad. Like right, like <laughs> your dad got this, right? So there's this black identity that is so prevalent poor in my house. Right? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, daddy, hey, listen, don't pour daddy over here. Well, you got it hey, on lock. I got it on lock. You know, can't nobody tell me nothing having all those sisters. But I just think, Shania, to your point, I just think it says something about just how what my mother was saying would be something that I think mm. she didn't give us the credit for in terms of these are the challenges. Mm. And she was like, I don't even want you doing that. Instead of 
Like, cause how, what, what was her structure? What was her, you know, yeah. foundation for how she didn't have the answers. So she's trying to protect her son yeah. from not having the answers and raising children who are lost in just terms of their identity. Yeah. And I'm not saying you are, I'm just saying the context for which so many biracial children who become adults, the, the, the foundational context is, is like, where do I fit in? Yeah. Where, where am I at? Yeah. And one seems to supersede the other. Mm-hmm. And and so how is that? But I'm identifying one way that might confuse others. And so, like, I don't think that my mom or even other generations wanted to even have to deal with that, mm-hmm. uh, at least of color. You know, white people just didn't want it because they didn't want their <laughs> white blood, you know. Right, right, you know? right. But, like, you know, uh, you know, I think black black folk were yeah, just they knew, like. Yeah, they knew what the challenges would yeah, be. Yeah. And it's hard. Yeah. And I don't know, there's no advice really you can give someone other than, you know. I hear you. I hear you. (laughs) I hear you. I hear you. Because anything other than that, right, is like us discovering and laying out our black, you know, singular identity (laughs) onto, you know, that reality. Pick one, Shania. No. (laughs) You know? (laughs) I'm going to tell you what you look like. No. Uh, (laughs) You don't want. What well, doesn't make sense because you don't want to deny that part of you. Yeah. yeah. Um. So let's uh let's introduce another topic because uh, you and I had another pre-talk like <laughs> weeks ago of where you brought up such a valid and important part about being an ally or being an advocate that when you're not a part of the group <laughs> and you want to be a part of the group or you want to be an ally for the group. Sometimes you're not going to be met with like the most positive. Like we're talking really now, and like a lot of this is kind of just like theoretical stuff. Like yeah, be an advocate, be an ally, but um, it's not always pretty work. It's difficult work, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, sometimes <laughs> black men come into spaces like, well, all right, I'm gonna help, but you see them, them, them black girls over there, they stay angry. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yeah, maybe we are. Yeah. Yeah. So um, why don't you, can you expand on that some more? Because we had talked about yeah, that yeah. Um, before. Let's talk about it a little bit now. Yeah, so like I had a really bad day <laughs> at, at work. I had a really bad day. I think I had a really bad, I don't know, a couple of days with some black women. Mm. And I wouldn't say like at work, but just because y'all know where I work. So y'all know who I work. <laughs> It ain't too many black women. So, right. So, so uh, 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 people go start a black woman hearing this, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We really got a problem with you. <laughs> but I came home, and my sister just so happened to be um, at my house. I wasn't expecting her. And so, you know, when auntie comes into town, yeah, my <laughs> and my sister's real pro-black. I mean, just like pro-black. Uh-huh. So I know I can go to her uh, in my anger. And so I went angry, and I was just like, Leah, you know, oh, I can't believe I just said her name. Sis. Like, <laughs> sis. Shout out to Leah. What up, Leah? Shout out. Uh, she's in like, the work. Shania could yeah. bleep it if you wanted no, to. No, no, no. Shout out to my sister who's doing the All work. I love. That's what's yeah. up. Okay. She, she does the work. She's a presenter. She has her own business signature presenter, presenters where she goes around and talks about emotional intelligence. Oh, so I knew I can. I knew I can go to my yeah. sister. And I was like, good, I'm in a low place right now. And I was just like, Leah, it's just so hard. You know, it's so hard as a black man to have to face so many angry black women mm. from time to time. The moment that they see my wife, the moment that they hear me speaking to them, it's just like, it's an immediate wall. <laughs> it's immediate anger. I got I got women like my sis to my left saying, 
trigger. You know, he just triggered, <laughs> he just said it already. Trigger, trigger, trigger. Like you know, and it, I can't imagine how many black women shut the podcast off and fast forward. Like yeah, I'm just, you say you married to you, I'm done with I'm you, done. brother. I'm, 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 yeah. I want to hear yeah. Jen. That's yeah. all, right? <laughs> Or they just tuned out because it's another black man talking about yeah. I get it. I get it. And so I, I was mad. You know, I was mad. And I went to my sister. And my sister was like, and, you know, in, in not so many words, she was just like, oh, yeah, how's that feel? Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, that sucks. You know, here I am trying to do the work. Mm-hmm. And I keep getting met with wall after wall of defense, anger, hostility. They don't even know me, but they acted this way. I'm their bro. I'm their king, all this. <laughs> and my sister was like, you know what? You just need to own that wall of distrust. Mm. It's not from you. They don't even know you. So it's really, it's who you represent. Mm. And you just need to own that. Own it. Own it and not try to say it's not you. And she said, because how many times have we asked white people to do the same thing? Mm. I, they come in, Karen comes in, Karen happy just to be around black folk. Right. And then Karen is like, you know, met with some silent kind of when she walks up and we mm-hmm. get all silent. Mm-hmm. And then when we walk away, we're laughing and Karen's like, what was that <laughs> well, all about? Yeah, like, yeah. It's so hard to be black people friend. Yeah. You know? well, but there's that, a reason. Yeah, and I hope that, you know, somebody would go up to Karen and be like, hey, just own that. Own what you just felt. Yeah. You know, you're not going to come into one space after years and years, hundreds of years of oppression that you continue to benefit from and think that that wall of distrust is just going to be brought down because you decided to enter. And my sister put it plain to me about, look at the privilege that I think that I, that, that I have in mm. thinking that my presence and that black women need to acquiesce yes. to my presence, you know, of being, you know, it's Another- like, shut up and, and own that. <laughs> I will never <laughs> acquiesce. <No. laughs> but, but, you know, for black men, I think it's, it's frustrating. True. I think for black men, it, it's, it's frustrating. A, it's a stance of hubrisness to yes. come into a space to assume that, you know, we wouldn't be a little angry. That not everybody is going to, you know, welcome you in with the open That's arms right. over, hundred, like you said, hundreds of years right. of being um, denied. And this, I mean, we're talking about early trust like i said the abolitionist movement early trust we will stand by our men over our gender for equal rights and then in the end being forgotten anyways yep. i mean we're battling all of that so yep. yeah it takes work it's hard so here come my black behind walking up to a space <laughs> right and, what's and, up and, yeah, and i'm like y'all don't know me i'm rudy author professor yeah, like, I'm, I'm here for y'all <laughs> And these black women look at me and just be like, you know what? Go sit down. You somewhere. ain't even got no black wife. Go, go sit, sit down. down. <laughs> sit down somewhere. And go. You ain't got no black wife. You know, so it's just, it's just, it's just owning that. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's my, um, because the last thing I would want somebody, a black woman to do is feel re-traumatized by my Thank highlighting. You. Thank you. How they in some way or another. Thank you. Protecting their own selves from yeah. what they may have experienced. And, and I'm trying to come in and go above and around that protection for my own sense of belonging as a black man. Nah, that's and, something that I'm walking back And from. if you get met with the wall of distress, the worst thing you could do, and happens all the time, is you leave. Now, characterizing mm-hmm. um, this complete community, right, mm-hmm. by saying, you know, that's why black women stay angry. Um, they don't know how to love. They're bitter. Um, but the way you eloquated it so well, just own the wall of distress and know that the wall can come down, but it's not going to come down with you. Yeah. It's going to take a long time. 
But um, see, what I had with somebody who's a black woman, this is where we tell white people, we tell them like, hey, go to your relationships where you have authentic black friends yes. that you can, because that because you're going you're gonna to have to vent. You're going to have to go and be like, well, you know, it's, I'm going to my sister and I'm saying, but why, 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 why? why? <laughs> and she's like, the fact that you're coming to me says that this is the work that you need mm-hmm. to be doing because you're not ready to just, you don't have that answer for yourself because you're not living in that yeah. identity and living in that space. And to your point, if I were just to go around my friends and be like, that's why I ain't messing with black women. That's that mischaracterization. And it does more harm. And and it's good advice for even people that want to be racial allies. I just was um, doing some community work with um, women, um, trying to kind of bridge that divide between black and white women um, that came about through the suffrage movement. And um, somebody, and I'm not going to say any names, but she's so sweet. This older white woman was like telling me this story about how um, in their predominantly white uh, organization, um, a black woman that was coming kind of regularly just up and left one day, and she doesn't know why. I said, yeah, you might have said something that just she didn't like. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't know what we did, and I, and I, uh, I didn't, we, we didn't mean to do anything bad. And I said, sometimes, I didn't you know, say the wall of distress, sometimes you're not going to get the response you wanted, right? Because it's going to take... And I use the term you have to br- you have to build those bridges. Those mm-hmm. are, those bridges are annihilated. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to cross to see each other, and some people might not want to cross with you. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a few of us. So I'm telling this older white woman, like you know, if you want to talk to me, you can. But not everyone might want to talk to you. So That's you have right. to respect that too, right? Like, um, be careful about. Um, who you're going to vent, right? Who's your black yes. friend that teach me the, yes. you know, teach me yes. what to do. Like it's not everybody's role, no. but I, you know, I, I don't mind helping you if you want some help. Um, but it, so your point, the wall of distress even works with racial ally work, mm-hmm. right? That mm-hmm. sometimes you're going to walk in spaces where people are not going to trust you. They will laugh at you. Mm-hmm. You got to mm-hmm. own it. Mm-hmm. Just like you said. I think that's the hardest part too, because yeah. it's saying that we need to be healed. Uh, we too are acting out of our trauma mm. and feeling rejected. Mm. So I'm acting out of my trauma. I'm acting out of this sense that like, I know I'm being perceived as somebody who turned their black on their back on black women. So I'm now going to use that as like, now, no, let me, let me operate from that space. And I'm only acting out of what is perceived trauma. It's not, it's just all of these different things, yeah. Jen, that I think is clouding from just making things more cloudy than just simply saying, Rudy, own this, own it, hold it. And let's just, let's just deal with yeah. it when it's possible to deal with it. And I don't know if I've ever had the conversations with those black women who I felt have given me the the hand to be like, and that's all right. I may never have those conversations mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because I may continue to be that person that's on the off to the side that like Rudy just not the one that I'm gonna deal with. <laughs> so, <laughs> and that's okay. So, and that's okay. And I gotta be able to I gotta not be able to hold on to that as trauma. Yeah. Further trauma. I gotta be able to hold on to what is that's their way of healing and I need to continue to heal yeah. in the way that I am. Absolutely. Well thank you so much Rudy for all of this um just everything. Um, I learned some stuff tonight. Shania learned some stuff tonight. I learned some stuff. You tonight. learned some stuff. Come on. Ah. I, learned some stuff. <laughs> I think this is really good yeah. for women, um, female listeners or women listeners, um, so that they might be able to even process what they experience um, 
Um, and also uh, just to kind of, you know, as they've listened, hopefully it, it'll help them when they're engaging with other people. Yeah, I do yeah. want to say something really quickly because mm-hmm. I, I just think that I think black men need to really affirm the realities that black women have that um, have never been expressed. And so how can I affirm something that a black woman has never expressed it to me? You might have seen it in some behavior as a black man. And so it's like saying to a black woman, um, if you think that black men are not out for black women, like let me affirm that there are some conversations that black men have where we're not putting black women at the top or Mm. we're not valuing black women. And it's not just history. It's saying that like as black men, we have these, it's black men telling on each other. It's, it's, it's saying to black men, it's saying to black women, this is not a tool to use to trigger. This is to say to a black woman, you're not crazy. crazy right? You just, ain't crazy. Yeah. Like, these, We're not making this no, up. No, you're not making it up. <laughs> you're not crazy. We as black men, because there are some black men who in the presence of other black women would be like, man, Rudy, like, man that ain't how we do it. No. <laughs> That's how it, it is perpetuated. That's what it is. It's perpetuated. Okay. Okay. And, and, and what we do from acknowledging that ugly truth is say, here's what we need to be doing moving forward. Or we just need to sit in this space of discomfort, mm. knowing that black women know that about us until we can actually be do in a place to yeah. do something yeah. about it. But for now, we just go and sit in that space of discomfort. Black women, you are not crazy. No, you're not crazy. Black men, stop lying. No. <laughs> yes, let me say it then. Black men, stop lying. <laughs> Sit in that space yeah. of discomfort. And uh, um, I think this is a great episode for our women, female. I know a lot of guys listen too, but please share it with the with the bros. It's called Black Women Be Well, but anybody can listen to it, honestly. Share it to anybody um, that wants to know how they can be an ally for black women and how they can be an advocate for black women. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, do you have any plugs you ha- want to share? Instagram, Facebook? Uh, uh, you can always check me on Facebook. <laughs> Just go put in Rudy Darden. It's the real Rudy Darden. Like, there's another Rudy Darden out there that's a producer in California. That's the fake one. He's a fake one. <laughs> he, <laughs> he, he's, not, he's not out there doing the social justice work. So if you just put in Rudy Darden or Rudy Darden Motivational Speaker, okay. uh, there's a Facebook page. But really, you know, just go to, you know, prof.darden on IG. Um, you'll see P-R-O-F me there. P-R-O-F dot Darden. Darden, yeah. For his Prof. Instagram. Darden. He's hilarious. Yeah, we put some funny, I can't say we, I. <laughs> yeah, it's put all some you. some stuff of, of, <laughs> of some of the weird things that I'm experiencing as a father, uh, as a professor, but also as a student, too. Mm-hmm. So. Thank you for being on the You're show. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Don't forget to also follow Black Women Be Well on Instagram and Facebook at B Woman. That's the letter B, letter B Well. B Woman Be Well. And uh, you can find all our stuff on our website, blackwomanbewell.com. Oh, you need to subscribe to YouTube because we need this. to, we need to get mean, people. Look, we need to, do it now. Yeah. yeah. We gotta, like, I mean, do it right the now. numbers Whatever are, they're better now. We got like 60 plus. Okay. All right. So we need more subscribers at YouTube. Wait, am um, I already a subscriber to Hope? Give, give me say to YouTube again. Uh, is it just at Black Woman Be Well? If you put the at Black Woman, I think it'll come up. And so, thank you. Yeah. Uh, you're a male expert. Yes. No, stop saying expert. You uh, are. Own it. Nah, look, look at me just being an ally more. for you. Own, you. own that stuff, you. Rudy. All right. To our guests, I mean, our listeners, <laughs> thanks for being with us so long. Have a great day, a great night, um, and love, peace, and 
love that. He's playing a YouTube video now. Um, love, peace, and hair grease. Bye, y'all. All right. <laughs>